I'm so tired. There's not enough hours in the day. Bullshit excuses. I've got too much to do. I have to work late. I have to run the kids around. The bullshit excuses. I have to get up early tomorrow. They end now. This is fitness for nine to fivers. You work day-to-day jobs. In fact, you may even have two, and you've been trying to fit in a healthy lifestyle. We have the solution. This is fitness for nine to fivers. And this is Andrew Marsham. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fitness for Lane Survivors podcast. Today I am joined by another extremely special guest, um, a co-host of, again, the famous Mind Pump podcast show. Um, we had his co- fellow co-host Adam on last week. Um, how are you doing today? We have a Mr. Sal Stefano today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure, so Honestly, it's my pleasure. Um, what's been happening over in the States today? How's things on lockdown over there? Uh, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, we're in California, so we were one of the first states to do um, what they call shelter in place, which basically means shutting down all non-essential businesses, encouraging people to stay at home, yep. social yep. distance. And uh, it looks like they're going to be extending that for the most part uh, throughout the end of May. So it's just a, it's a weird, it's a bit of a weird time. I know the economic... Uh, repercussions are probably going to be pretty bad, but it, we yeah, won't know yeah. fully until maybe the end of the year. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's going to be the hardest hit out of the lot, to be honest. Um, I think big picture for me, that's that seems to be where the, the, the biggest problems are going to lie with us, with everything that's going on. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, I think hindsight, we'll be able to see if this was the right approach uh, or not, because I, I don't think people consider the that the economic repercussions kills people too. It's not as obvious, but it, it does cause death and it does cause, cause, yeah. um, you know, destruction. And, you know, here in the U S we're, we're seeing, um, I think 30 million people have uh, filed now jobless claims, which is a, a, a record since we've ever, I've seen, you know, I've we've seen the numbers coming out as records. Oh, it's astounding. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's, it is very strange. I will tell you this though. It's, um, it's, it's a hard time for a lot of people to adjust to. I think the, the, you know, we're starting to see people's mental health start to suffer. And of course, I I think one of the benefits, one of the the remedies to that would be, uh, you know, exercise, exercise always helps with the mental state of people. Um, and when you're at home and you don't have access to a gym, there's a few different ways you can you can help yourself out, and one of them, and we've talked about this on the show, is to rather than doing an hour of exercise a day, do three 20-minute sessions, yeah, break your day up, create some structure, um, and get small boosts of those you know feel-good hormones and chemicals that you get from exercise throughout the day. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, you talk about that. I literally was off, off the phone with a client an hour ago who broke it, who completely broke down the phone to me, you know, with, with the mental health aspect of everything that's going on. So it's taking a lot more toll on people than may, than may just seem to seem in the surface, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So 
In terms of, and you touched on something that I fully agree with there, is having, having that some sort of structure in place at the moment to, to really kind of try and push through these days. I'm still encouraging people to to prep meals, to try and get up at the same times, just to, to go through the basic habits and daily routines that they were doing before. Is that something that I know it's something you guys push as well? What do you what would you say to someone who's really struggling to get that structure in place to to maintain the discipline that they initially had, you know, before lockdown that they maybe were ramping up their body for the summer or whatever, looking to get lean, looking to get fat and healthy? How would you approach someone dealing who, who approach someone who's dealing with struggling to get that structure tied down in place? Well, you know, um, so there's a couple of thoughts I have on that. One is that fitness. Oftentimes we think of fitness and we think of building muscle, burning body fat, you know, hitting PRs and our lifts. But, you know, fitness is really a tool that can be used and wielded uh, differently depending on the context. It doesn't just, it isn't just valuable for fat loss and muscle building. It can also be a profoundly powerful anti-anxiety, anti-depression treatment. And we know this with studies. Studies show quite clearly that exercise uh, done properly when compared to, you know, uh, selective um, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs like Prozac, for example, um, it's as effective for low to moderate levels of depression um, and may actually be more effective in the long term. So it's, it's as effective as medication for, for those types of depression. For anxiety, we see similar things. And I think a lot of people are going through both of those. So the way I would look at exercise at the moment is I would look at exercise and say, how can I use this tool uh, to help me in the context of what's going on right now, right? So let's look at what's going on right now. Lots of uncertainty. Um, We're not really going anywhere. You might be unemployed or afraid of potentially losing your job. So in this case, I think it's best to use exercise to make yourself feel better, to improve your your overall health rather than using it as a way to get shredded or build uh, lots of muscle. I think if you use fitness as a tool and apply it based on the context of your life, you'll also have more long-term success. Uh, At some point, this is going to be over and we'll go back to the gym. And the person who used exercise properly during this period of time is going to do better than the person who continued to try to chase, uh, you know, potentially chase new new goals uh, during this period of time. So, that's one of the, you know, one of the big thing, thoughts I have about that. The yeah, other thing is, yeah. you know, uh, I think the best people to look uh, towards for advice during this period of time are people who have a lot of experience being involuntary, uh, involuntarily locked in, into a situation. So you can read books on POWs and their experience, you know, prisoners of war, or people who went to jail or prison and came out um, completely reformed. Um, and when you look at those situations, what you find is the people that are successful are the ones that create a structure for themselves. They don't let the days just bleed into each other. So like, uh, you know, there's some, I have a friend who was in, in, in jail for years and he came out and totally reinvented himself. And he said, no, I had a structure. He says, every morning at this time I did these exercises. And at, at after lunch, I did these stretches and I, and I read this long for, you know, at this time of the day. And then Thursdays, I did more running and Fridays, I did more lift, you know, more, more body weight training and, you know, whatever. But he created a structure for himself that broke the day up yeah. into, into smaller, you know, smaller bites. The other thing too is, um, is, and I can't remember the name of the book, but there was a book written by a POW 
And he talks about the, you know, he talks about the people that did well and the people that didn't. And he says the people that did the worst were the optimists. Uh, when they, when, you know, th- so this is a gentleman who, and I can't remember his last name for the life of me right now, but he was captured during the Vietnam war. He was trapped for years, uh, by, by, you know, as a prisoner of war, had no idea when they would take him out and torture him or, or what they would do with them. And, and they would do that whenever they wanted to. And, you know, when Pete, when you ask him afterwards, you know, who did the worst, he says it was the optimist. He said the POWs that kept saying, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. Oh, we're going to be out by by New Year's. Oh, it's going to be just fine. Those are the ones that continue to get their, their hearts broken. He said the people that were most successful were the people who uh, accepted reality, but then who also had faith that they would uh, persevere. So I think in this situation, maybe saying to yourself like, oh, life will go back to normal. It'll be totally, you know, nothing will, will be changed in, in three months. You know, that might not be the winning strategy. You might want to say to yourself, look, this is the way things are. There might be some permanent changes, but I know that I will work through it and I know I'll come out a better person. Um, and so I think those are kind of two things that, I, I, that I've been focusing on myself. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's just taking that perspective of that, you know, we've been through a lot in previous times. I'm too young to remember any of them, to be honest. Um, but, you know, people do bounce back and it is just human nature to to, to come back from these things. Um, and I think, as you said, just creating that structure. It's a very interesting perspective from the prisoner of war or prisoner side of things. That's something that I hadn't really thought of at all. Right. Uh, definitely right. Looking at some resources in that end, I think it would be really positive for a lot of people. Oh yeah, and you know, I think uh, I think I want to say his name was Scottsdale was his last name, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll double check. Um, the other thing about um, you know staying consistent with exercise is really rather than falling in love with the motivation and inspiration that'll get you to work out, fall in love with the discipline of doing it, and, and they're both very different, right? So, motivation is a feeling that we get; we all experience it sometimes, yep. where we feel very driven to do something, we feel inspired to do something. And, you know, when you're motivated and inspired, you don't need discipline. You don't need to be pushed. You don't need to create so much structure. I mean, the motivation and inspiration takes care of that. It's not a problem. And I think that's why we fall in love with it because it just feels so easy. Uh, But the problem with that is at some point it goes away. It's just like any other feeling. You know, you're not going to always feel happy. At some points you'll be sad. You're not always going to be sad. Sometimes you'll be happy. Well, you're not always going to be motivated and inspired. But how do you maintain consistency uh, with a routine when, in, when your motivation and inspiration go away? Uh, well, you rely on discipline. Discipline is what gets you to brush your teeth in the morning and take a shower before going to work. Uh, it's what gets you to do your daily habits. So fall in love with that. And the fact that I, you know, at this time, I will exercise. Like, that's just what I do. And I do this on these days and there's nothing else that, you know, there's nothing that'll stop that. That's just my discipline. Of course, the workout can change depending on the context and how you feel, but you're disciplined to do it. And then when motivation comes, you just, you ride the wave and have a good time. And so right now, what I would recommend to people is you set your schedule and you do it and you set up that discipline and learn to love the discipline. If you fall in love with the discipline that you're consistent, you know, that I'm going to do it, you're much more likely to be consistent long term. But you also want to have a realistic approach to this. So if you never exercise or you're finding that it's, you know, it's, it's impossible to get yourself to, to work out five days a week, well, you know, start with maybe a, a two day a week discipline for now. Give yourself something that's challenging, but something that's realistic. 
And over time, that'll build more and more confidence and, and you'll start to build the, the discipline muscle. Once you become disciplined, then motivation and inspiration are no longer needed. And that's, that's really the key here. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's something that the, the more you ingrain in, it just becomes part of the process. It's just something you do. And I think that's something that, that that's, that's personally happened in my own life over the, the course of my training. Well, okay, I can't train in the gym just now, but what? how else can I train? What else can I do? What else can I get my hands on that's going to allow me to, to keep that discipline? I, I'm a very early morning trainer, for example. And what can I do in the morning that's going to get me moving in the right direction? Whether it be, you know, maybe just going out a jog or a run or something like that, doing some mobility work, something. Now, I'm fortunate enough that I managed to get hold of some equipment, but at the, when it all first started, I wasn't so lucky as it took it. But, but it's just about maybe, you know, coming at it from a different angle. Where, where can I apply the discipline or where can I start this discipline that's, that's, going, to, that's going to start serving that, that fitness over, overall fitness goal? Right. Sometimes applying um, your workouts or, or, or attaching them to daily practices that you already do is a good strategy. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, you could attach a discipline of 20 minutes of exercise uh, before every meal or a 15 or 20 minute or 30 minute walk yeah. after every meal. Right. So, yeah, that, that, so that's one I personally am really a fan of going a 10, 15 minute walk after a meal. Right. And because you've attached it to something that you've already created a discipline around, you're much more likely to be consistent because I, you know, I eat three times a day. Now that I've attached a 15 minute walk, now I walk three times a day. Or if, if I work out for 20 minutes, three times a day, I work out before my meal. So you can prepare your meal. It's sitting there, go do your 20 minute workout and have your meal. You're more, more likely to be consistent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And what are some of the main focuses you feel everyone should be working on? Maybe who don't have access to a gym, or maybe they're completely out of equipment. Where do you feel some of the of the majority of for, just for a quick frame of reference? A lot of the people listen to this podcast are it's called the Fitness for Ninety Fivers podcast. So the general population, office workers, you know, you know, normal guy, guys like me, like myself. Where do you feel like we could be investing some time in our training at the moment that's going to really benefit us coming out of the lockdown? Oh, geez. Uh, e that's easy. Mobility. Um, yeah. Proper mobility work requires no equipment whatsoever. It's also one of the most neglected aspects of exercise. It's Self, not as... Self-included. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, it's not as glamorous as a heavy squat or a deadlift. But the truth is, uh, if you plateau in strength or performance... Oftentimes, it's due to mobility, especially if you, as you start to become more advanced, your mobility, your, your body will not allow you to progress because it senses the lack of mobility and danger and what's happening in the future. Mobility training, proper mobility training is not just getting more flexible. There's a difference between improving your range of motion and having better mobility. Range of motion just means, you know, I can, I can do the splits. Uh, mobility means I'm strong throughout the entire range of motion of the splits. I can get myself into the splits and pick myself up with my legs alone if I wanted to. Um, mobility means you own the entire range of motion. You're connected to it. So imagine right now somebody put you in your arm in a very, very difficult stretch. How strong would you feel in that position? Probably pretty weak. You probably don't own or have strength or connection to that deep stretch. What mobility aims to do when you do it properly is to give you more connection. So how does this benefit you, right? How does this benefit you? Well, we know for a fact that 
longer ranges of motion, properly done, build more muscle, and indirectly burn more body fat than shorter ranges of motion. So in other words, a full squat done properly will build more muscle in your legs and give you better results than a half squat will. This is true for every single exercise. Well, proper mobility allows you to have to train in deeper ranges of motion, but with good control and good stability. Because if you move in deeper ranges of motion without that, all you do is increase your risk uh, of injury. Proper mobility will help you activate more muscle fibers because you'll be able to turn your muscles on at the difficult end ranges of a repetition. So if you're not able to make it to the gym, but you just right now are really working on your mobility and you do this for, let's say, four or five weeks, when you go back to the gym, even if you haven't lifted any weights, even if you haven't done any training, all you've done is mastered mobility, you may go back to the gym and find yourself a little bit weaker because you took off five weeks of training. But we know muscle memory, that strength will come back very quickly. But now it'll come back and you'll also have the new mobility that you worked on during the time uh, being stuck at home, which means you'll go further than you were before. You'll surpass your previous best. You'll overcome your previous plateaus because you've improved your mobility. So that's the number one thing right now I think people can focus on. And the way you focus on mobility is, is frequently throughout the day. When you're trying to connect to new ranges of motion, um, it's better to, rather than do an hour mobility work a few days a week, to do 15 or 20 minutes every single day um, to work on those things. So I would say right now, that would be the number one thing I'd say people should focus on. Yeah, sounds good. You touched on something that, that I absolutely love, and it was from someone that I admire quite a lot to a guy, Ben Pikulski, um, who I'm, I know you're familiar with, um, own, it, own, it, own every inch of the range. Um, you know, and that, that one that one line with that you should be in control of the movement at every stage of that range of motion completely changed my own training, completely changed the perspective I had on over the last couple of years. Um, so I was supposed to be out in Tampa a couple of weeks ago <laughs> visiting him, um, unfortunately, before all of this kicked off. Um, but you guys are running the mobility webinars as well at the moment. How have they, how have they been going and when are they best on for anyone who wants to, to join in? Oh, they're exceptional. Um, uh, mapswebinar.com, and, and they've been doing very well. Um, we've had uh, about 6,500 people. And we just started, so we've only run a few classes. But we've had about 6,500 people um, already uh, take the course and find value in it. And, you know, it's again, it's something that isn't talked about or followed enough by people. Um, but it makes huge – and here's the thing with mobility training. It doesn't matter what your goal is. Um, I don't care if your goal is endurance or strength, or speed, or power, or muscle building, or fat loss, or body sculpting, really doesn't matter. Um, improved connected mobility will benefit all physical pursuits. It benefits all forms of training and all goals. So it's something that everybody uh, should be, you know, I guess should be focusing on. Yeah, 100% fully agreed. It's something, again, that I feel definitely could be improved in my own training 100%. I think we hope we could all be making that, you know, diff progress in this area at this time. Um, and, and it's something I talked about with Adam yesterday or, well, it's been last week as people listen back to this, but a lot of people struggle with motivation. A lot of people struggle with consistency. Um, but there's so many other aspects and things you can work on in terms of your training at the moment. It's just about finding those different avenues, I think, really for, for most people just now. 
Yeah, I would agree. I'd say, you know, again, if you look at exercise as a tool that you can use based off of the context of your current life, you know, I mean, years ago, I'll give you an example. Years ago, I had somebody very close to me get sick and uh, with a terminal disease and, um, and it was a very, very difficult time in my life. And now I still went to the gym, but when I went to the gym, my goal was very different. I went to the gym and I realized that the best use of exercise at that moment was to make myself feel better, to maintain my health so I could be there for this person in my life. I didn't go to the gym chasing PRs or chasing you know crazy goals. It was literally, I am going to go to the gym and take care of myself so that I'm healthy enough to help this person. And it really, really benefited me tremendously. So that's the way I would say, looking, look at it for yourself. Um, look at how you feel and what's going on and say to yourself, what is the best way to use exercise at this moment? Um, and if you do it that way, the, the choices that you'll make, the way that you work out are going to more likely than not be appropriate for your body. Yeah, hundred percent. And how is that transition? How is your training, your own training transitioned over the years? I know you'd started out very similar to myself. I was 120 pounds when I started in the gym, very skinny young guy. So, and obviously switching more to health optimization and things like that over the, the last few years. How has that transition appeared in your own training and your own fitness journey over the last few years, Adam? Yes. Uh, well, I've, you've got Adam. I've got Adam in the name the screen. The screen here. Uh, no worries. <laughs> no worries. Um, you know, um, when I first started, um, I started very young. I was uh, 14 years old and very skinny, and so my main motivation was to to build muscle. Yeah. And to get stronger. Now through the years, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's morphed and changed. Now I'm not going to lie. I still love, I mean, I fell in love with it at the age of 14 and I never fell out of it. Um, I still love training for muscle or bodybuilding and, and, and for strength. I still love doing that, but yeah. you can't always push that. Um, it just doesn't, not only is it not appropriate for your body, but you'll actually get worse results over time because when you train your body inappropriately, um, it doesn't give you what you want. You can't force it when it doesn't want to do something. So depends on on the context of, of what's going on. Sometimes I train more for performance. Other times I'll train more for flexibility and mobility. Um, but strength and muscle is always one of my favorite go-tos. Um, I just train a lot smarter now. You know, when I first started working out, uh, the the routines that you would read about in the magazines at the time, yeah. they were all body part split routines. So they, what they would say is they'd say, <clears throat> go to the gym, work one muscle. So if today's Monday, then today's chest or whatever. And then do, you know, your 15 sets for chest and then get out of the gym and then don't hit chest again until the next Monday. So let it rest and recover for a full week. And this is the approach that I followed. Um, well, years later, I started reading about the the way that, old time strong men and, and, and bodybuilders trained before the, the widespread use and introduction of anabolic steroids. So when you look at those guys training re, uh, regimes, none of them trained with a body part split. They all followed a full body routine yeah, and all yeah. of them were extremely impressive. They were all natural or very, very low doses of anabolic steroids. And they were incredibly impressive. We're talking about, you know, 18 and a half, 19 and a half inch arms, you know, people like Eugene Sandow who could, you know, do what's called a bent press with, uh, you know, 300 pounds in one arm. That's a tremendous amount of weight. Just for reference, you know, I weigh over 200 pounds myself and I'm a rather large guy. So he could press me with one arm 
over his head. And this is before protein powders uh, and, and, and before, you know, creatine. Um, and the way they all trained was full body routines. Well, you know, when I read that, I applied it to myself. I said, let's give this a shot. And this, is, this was after years and years of following body parts routines. And my body just exploded with muscle, strength, and performance. And once you dive into the science, you realize that that method of training is superior for most people. Yeah, um, yeah. St- studies show that when you work out with weights, they, they can actually measure muscle building through something called muscle protein synthesis. And they see that it spikes very quickly post-exercise, but then it drops very quickly, about 24 to, to 72 hours later. So you work out your chest on Monday and you're building your chest Tuesday, Wednesday, by the time Thursday hits, that signal plummets and now it's flat or it starts to go lower because your body's always adapting. So then you go back to the gym, even if your muscles were sore, by the way, remember, you know, healing and adapting can be two separate things. Healing is just, it's like you cut your skin and it needs to heal. Adapting would be my skin forms a callus so that next time I can't cut it the same way. <laughs> well, this is true for, for muscle as well. So the old method allows me to heal, but I'd go back to the gym a week later and I have no gains in strength, no gains in performance, no, no chest muscle growth. And so you get stuck in this, this breakdown recovery trap where you break a muscle down, allow it to recover, break it down, allow it to recover. Well, once you train the body more frequently, what you end up doing is you end up doing more adaptation. You end up keeping that muscle building signal, muscle protein synthesis elevated more consistently throughout the entire week. Now, what you don't want to do is train your chest for 15 sets three times a week. You want to take your total volume and just break it up over three workouts. So rather than doing 15 sets of chest on Monday, I do five sets on Monday, five sets on Wednesday, five sets yeah. on Friday. Same total volume, triple the frequency, and I'm, I'm maintaining a muscle protein synthesis level that is elevated. And that was a big shift in my training. Um, and the funny thing is that's the way I train my clients. You know, when I would train my clients, I noticed they got better results doing that. And for whatever reason, I never applied it to myself. Now, <laughs> people may be wondering, well, why then do body part split routines exist? How did they get popular? Well, they started really, really getting, gaining traction in the late 60s, early 70s. And they really got popular throughout the 70s and on. And if you, if you look at the way bodybuilders, uh, you know, took uh, anabolic steroids, there's a very clear, you could s- clearly see the amount of drugs that they were taking at the time really went through the roof. It was very low doses up throughout the 50s. Uh, 60s, they started experimenting with higher doses. Right around the late 60s and 70s, their doses, you know, went up by about tenfold. Anabolic steroids, they send, they, they maintain a loud muscle building signal. It's a hormonal one, okay? So if you're on anabolic steroids, you don't need to worry about muscle protein synthesis levels dropping post-workout like you would if you were natural. So bodybuilders, trained these body part split routines and got great results um, when the average person does far better uh, training the full body more frequently. And so that was a big, for me, that was a big shift. And a lot of our training and, you know, Adam and Justin, I didn't even know them back in those days, but Adam and Justin, both being trainers, both being experienced like I am, came to that same conclusion themselves. And if you look at our maps programs, you'll see they're reflected in the way we write our workouts. 100%. 100%. And I think it's the same approach with nutrition as well. Um, I was watching Lane Norton, Norton's video today um, on the, the nutrition aspect of the thing and just splitting up more evenly seems to be the way forward as well. Yeah, I think, um, I think you're going to find that with a lot of things. I yeah. think the adaptation process of the body 
is similar for a lot of different parts of the body. I mean, you know, if you use your, your, your skin's ability to tan when you expose it to sunlight, right? That's a form of adaptation. Your skin is darkening so that it can handle more sunlight. So that next time, if you did the same amount of sunlight, it wouldn't cause any damage. Well, what would give you a better tan? If you went out into the sun and just baked yourself all day, once a week, or if you expose yourself a little bit every day, right? You know, being a ginger from Scotland, I've been on the wrong end of that a few things. <laughs> right, right. But you get my point, right? So, so you know, same thing for learning. Are you going to learn a subject by hammering your brain for one day a week or by spending a little bit of time every single day? So, same marginal is true gains, for, Marginal gains. Yeah, so the same thing is true for muscle. And so, you know, that, that's what, that was one big way that I changed uh, my training and, and it became far more effective. Yeah, 100%. I was very much the same. I started out chest day, arms, legs. If one Legs was more like once every two weeks. <laughs> and then notice when I when I switched to even something like an upper lower or maybe a push-pull legs a couple of times per week, that was a big shift for me as well. Um, right. Just hitting them more frequently rather than trying to cram all into one session. That was such a big difference. Um, and that was even three to four years into when I was training. Um, you mentioned there that you'd always had that drive and things like that as well. What do you think brings that drive from someone like yourself to always continually improve, to continually be looking for something to take your training to your next level? Obviously, we've been doing this for, for, for a while. What is it that continually drives you yourself? Well, early on, it was, it was my insecurities in, in you know, wanting to not be uh, what I was at the time, which was, you know, I was, I was a very thin yeah. Kind of skinny guy. Um, but that kind of motivation is not um, a fulfilling one. I think if you're motivated by wanting something and by hating what you already have, uh, that'll eventually turn into destruction. You'll, you'll never get what you want. You know, there would, if, I may, if I stayed in that place, I would have never got enough muscle. I would have never been satisfied and it would have left me feeling uh, quite empty. You can see this with people who do this with money or sex or pleasure or whatever where, you know, they're not, they hate what they have so much and they want what they can't get so much. And so it drives them and drives them dry, but eventually they're, they end up very unhappy. Now what motivates me is I like to change. I like to improve myself, but I'm also very grateful for, and for where I'm at. So that's both, right? So I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at. I'm happy and, and grateful for the way that my life is, but I do like to, the, the process of self-improvement. I enjoy the process of self-improvement and growth. And it really it boils down to having a mentality that's growth-minded. I think if you fall in love with the, the, the process of improving yourself, genuinely improving yourself, I think you'll always seek it out. Um, I think you'll always seek out learning and growth if you do that. Now, if you believe that you can't change and that you are the, you know, you, you, you are the result of just outside forces that you can't control, um, you're going to have a very, very, tough time and you'll definitely have a tough time when things get very difficult but it's just a growth mentality growth mindset and you know a lot of people who exercise consistently have it i say i think you know i think exercise teaches it when you do it properly yeah, um it teaches that growth mindset you know yeah, I, I couldn't agree more i think it's all about looking for the opportunities and things like this um you know that we get to train as opposed to having to train or we get the opportunity to get up, there's food on the table, things like that. Some of those basic things that we 
that so many people took for, for granted, just being able to walk down the street and see your family, see your friends. Now it's been all brought back into perspective. And I think a lot of the growth-minded people are standing out and it's time for people like influencers, anyone, guys like yourself who are really leading the charge in that and coming out and showing everyone that there are still opportunities out there, that you, you have to look at the opportunities and the positives and what, what's happening at the moment. Yeah, I think that'll set you up to be okay. I mean, if you can if you can look at a tough situation and say to yourself, okay, what, what good came from this? What can I learn from this? Then you turn a negative situation into one that is constructive. You turn a, a tough situation to something that you've grown from. Yeah. 100%. If you just look, if you look at a tough situation and just say, this, this is terrible. I don't like it. And that's that, uh, you, you know, it's going to be very negative. It's, it's, it's really a lot about, mindset it makes it tremendous it makes the actually makes all the difference in the world there's a a lot of different ways yeah and there's a lot of different ways to do that and there's different philosophies stoicism is a great philosophy that teaches some of that and you know the great spiritual practices are are great you know if you have a a belief in in god i mean i know you know religious people will will say things like well you know I, i i control what i can and i leave the rest to god and you know that doesn't sound like that's that big of a deal but it's a very powerful very, very powerful, effective way of living. Now, you don't have to necessarily say it that way. You can say, like the Stoics, I control what I can, and then the rest I leave to fate or I leave to the world or whatever. But if you let go of those things that you can't control and only focus on the ones that you can control, you'll feel empowered and you will not sit there in resistance to reality. You know, accepting the things that you can't change is not living in resistance to reality. I mean, if you, you know, you had a terrible accident and you no longer had the use of your hand, um, if you were in resistance to it, not only would you have the pain and challenge of not having your hand, you would now have the pain and challenge of the fact that you hate the fact yeah. that you don't have your hand. You're, you're, you're resisting to it. So Yeah, right. The fact that you survived the car accident. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's easier said than done. Of course, the way I'm saying it sounds easy. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, is a very, very, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a daily practice. It's something you have to consistently work on in your mind. You have, to, you have to maybe say it out loud, but it is very, very powerful. And look, one thing is for sure, if you want to find uh, universal wisdom, if you want to find things that are just you know, that humans have discovered that it just are very powerful and valuable to us. One of the best things you could do is find teachings and practices that are echoed across the world, right? So if for, I'll give you an example, right? Look, uh, fasting, like we all know that fasting now studies show and you know, it's got health benefits, improves longevity. Fasting has all these amazing potential benefits if it's done properly. Of course, if you're doing it to starve yourself, not very good, but uh, if you do it right, well, I mean, all the major religions and spiritual practices of the world practice fasting in some form or some way. All of them. You know, cultures that never had contact with each other. They all, every religion has fasting inside of it. And, they, and the reason why they do is they practice is detachment. And there's also some health benefits. You know, the, the, the Hippocrates talks about fasting as a way to treat uh, certain illnesses. This is how we discovered that uh, ketogenic diets helps with epilepsy because we noticed when we fasted them that their seizures would stop, right? So, that's, what, that's one thing that you can do. Well, if you look at all the world, all the, the collective wisdom of the world, one thing that is echoed in all of them is 
can focus on what you can control. Do not focus on what you can't. Leave that up to whatever, God, the universe, fate, whatever you want to choose. Don't focus on the things you can't change and you'll be much better off. Yeah, fully agree. And is there any daily practices you would recommend to someone who's looking to start out in that or anyone listening who is maybe getting a bit overwhelmed or caught up in the situation? Where can they start? How can they go? How do they go about starting to deal with that mindset aspect? Well, if you're religious, uh, pray. Prayer is one of the of the, the best forms of of contemplation uh, and internal thought and and uh, meditation. So, if you're religious, I would say pray, pray regularly, and do it with intent. Studies are quite clear uh, on the the benefits of of prayer for people who are firm believers. If you're not religious. I would recommend meditation. Meditation is a great way to, to stop the cycles of repetitive thoughts that can cause us so much pain. It's, meditation is much more complicated than what I'm about to say, but in a nutshell, it's really about finding the present, about being present. That's why you focus on your breath or you empty your mind of thoughts or whatever. You're, you're trying to be as present as possible. Um, so that's one way. Another way is to journal. You know, grab, if you, you buy yourself a journal and every single day, you write it right in the journal, what happened in your thoughts about it. And the reason why that's so valuable is because writing is a different way of thinking. And when you write things out, you tend to process them out a little bit differently, which allows you to get out of a loop in your mind. It's like, you know, it's like you have an argument with your wife and, you know, you just throughout the day, you're thinking about how mad you are, what you could have said, what she said, what she said. And, you know, oh, well, if she says this, I'll say that. And then this can happen. And then we'll see that, whatever. If once you start to write it out, what you may find is that you finish the thought, you finish the process, you go through the whole thing, and you may find yourself saying something like, She really made me mad, da, da, da. you know, but she's also good because she did this and things that may not be normally circulating throughout your head. So, journaling can also be a powerful practice that you do. But the, the bottom line is this like exercise, they need to be done regularly and consistently. And like exercise, you're not going to be good at them at first, but you'll get better as you continue to do them. So, if you first start meditating, it's probably not going to feel like much. But the more you practice it, the better you get at it and the more value you get out of it, just like exercise. Yeah, 100%. It's two things that I've built into my own routines over the last kind of six months to a year or so. For anyone listening to some, some good resources that I've certainly used, the Sam Harris Waking Up app and the, the, the Six Minute Diary, which is a journal template you can pick up on Amazon. Um, it was like twenty pounds, twenty dollars, whatever that is. Um, so that's a couple of places I would certainly start with those. Um, one question I would like to ask you for my own benefit, Sal. Obviously, you're someone who's built a very successful business. I help build a very successful business. A lot going on. Training's been consistent. How do you stay so driven? How do you stay so focused on everything? Um, just all the time. How do you manage it all and compartmentalize it? It's something I touched on with Adam as well. How do you manage to compartmentalize all the different aspects of business, family, friends, fitness? How do you manage to split and manage all that up? Well, I, 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 I try to focus on the stuff that's important and the stuff that I do well. And then the stuff I don't, I leave to my partner or my partner. So in business, I have Adam, Justin, and Doug. And they, they, they luckily are better at things that I'm not as good at. Yeah. And so they handle those, those things. And I focus on the things that I tend to be good at. And so that helps quite a bit. So we have our best players doing the things that they're best at. Um, and that seems to be producing um, a lot of success for us. Um, I think it's really just, again, it's about doing what's important for you and, uh, and following through. Um, 
for me, my family is, is extremely important. Um, it's extremely important to be involved in my children's lives. So nothing really takes, uh, uh, nothing supersedes that unless it's something that has to help them. Uh, that's always the most important thing. Um, so I focus on that and that takes practice too. That means when I'm tired and, you know, I say, to my, you know, my kids are around and I'm tired rather than sitting down watching TV. Oftentimes I'll get up and, you know, I'll say, okay, let's, let's, let's do something together or, you know, tell me about your day. Yeah. As far as how to, um, you know, stay consistent and driven. Um, you know, I, I try to remind myself of a higher purpose. So if I, you know, when I come to work with, for mind pump, for example, the purpose that I, I remind myself of is, is that we're helping people through fitness. And I think, you know, that, that people depend on us, people need us to help them, that I'm training and coaching people through digital media to help them with their health. And, and that keeps us uh, or it keeps me with high integrity and it keeps me going when my motivation is low. Like if it was just for me, it would be very easy to stop when yeah. I wasn't feeling it, right? But when I know that I'm doing this for someone else and that there may be an audience or people that need to hear what we're going to say or may have questions that they need answered or they need help, that's much more likely to keep me uh, consistent. You know, I show up. I'll show up for that. I'll show up knowing that people need me uh, to be there for them. Uh, for myself, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'll be consistent. But, uh, you know, I can say to myself, like, ah, it's all right. You know, I forgive you. Not a big deal. But when it's for someone else, it's, I think it, it, yeah, I think the higher purpose makes it. I mean, look, you know, years ago, I had a, a, an employee that, you know, her and I had a little debate and over what kept people consistent and motivated. And she said, well, you know, we're in, in terms of business. And she said, oh, people are motivated by a paycheck. It's money. More money will keep people, you know, motivated. That's what, that's what it is. And I disagreed with her. And I said, look, I said, the most motivated people, the most consistent people I've ever met in my entire life were people who work for nonprofit organizations. Yeah. People who, are, who volunteer. Like if you meet somebody who feels very strongly about the environment, who volunteers their time to, to, to make sure the environment stays clean, follow that person around and watch them work. What you'll find is a very dedicated, consistent person. They believe in something a purpose, a higher purpose. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, what keeps me consistent. I don't know. I, I, I would say it's a higher purpose. You know, I, I feel again, like what we're doing is, is important for a lot of other people. Um, and so that'll keep me coming to work even when the days when I might not feel like I want to. Yeah, hundred percent. Fleg Lisa, I absolutely love that. Um, I won't keep you any longer. Um, thank you very much for your time. I know we didn't get started a wee bit later. Um, but I know we kind of booked in the hour, so I don't want to I'm very conscious of your time yourself. But is there anything you would like to to pass on to anyone listening? Any resources you would like to direct them to? Um, I, I spoke to, I would mentioned a couple on Adam's podcast last week, but if you could just reframe them for anyone who's coming on to this fresh. Absolutely. So besides the podcast, which is Mind Pump, you can find our YouTube channel, which is Mind Pump TV. Um, but the best uh, place to go would be where we offer our free uh, resources and pamphlets and information on fitness. Uh, that's mindpumpfree.com. There's tons of free stuff there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sal. Again, you've been a massive inspiration to me starting this podcast and continuing over the last kind of six months or so. Um, thank you very much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Lives News on Mega Pussy with everything you have going on. 
over there. Um, so I can't thank you enough. Um, for anyone who liked the podcast, please leave a review if you if you enjoyed it. Um, it really helps me out. And we'll speak to you all later on. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Fitness for 9 to Fivers with Andrew Marsham. You're a grown-ass human being. You have a job, maybe two, kids, errands, bills, a wife, friends. And while the excuse list gets bigger, so does your waist. That's where Andrew comes in. Until next time, find Andrew on Facebook at andrew.marsham.737 and on Instagram at andrewmarsham underscore fitness. To reach out to Andrew, send an email at amfit1993 at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.